Welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, we have back on repeat guest, David Keller from Nexa Mortgage. David, welcome back, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you guys for having me back. Well, we're ecstatic to have you. You, How, how are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good. Nobody's I think that's the first... That may be the first time we've ever been asked that question in return. Oh, no, no. Most, yes. A lot of people ask. At, well, maybe he just said it in a way that just made me feel really special. So thank you, David. You're I feel welcome, absolutely thanks. fantastic. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> so we have David on today to talk about some interesting stuff. If you've been paying attention to the news, uh, the interest rates for mortgage loans and honestly every loan mm -hmm. has been shifting really quickly. Yeah. And we wanted to have David on to talk a little bit about how that's affecting mortgage loans, since that's typically who we deal with, but also talk a little bit about what he's experienced, um, what we're kind of predicting a little bit down the road, and then also just to talk a little bit, if you're a home seller, how this might affect you selling over the next few months. So David, thanks for coming on. What do you have to share with us today? Uh, this is a very broad question. Uh, there's so much to share. I, I think I was, I was doing even some more specific research leading up to the podcast today. Uh, and just some of the some of the things that I've noticed in comparison to like when I first got in the industry, I'm now in my sixth year. And so I remember when I first got into the industry in uh, 2017 and the rates were not horribly dissimilar from where we're at today. They were a little bit lower uh, and they, they kind of, you know, stayed, especially for conventional rates. When I first got in the market, the rates were around like mid middle 5%. So uh -huh. they're, they're definitely a little bit higher than that uh, now, but it, it's just been kind of a crazy ride over the last six months because I think the rates basically have gone up essentially almost 3% yeah. in the last uh, six months, which everybody in the, in the industry, I feel like really was anticipating that the rates were going to move. Initial estimates at the end of 2021 were not what we've seen so far. Uh, I think people are anticipating maybe a point one one and a half percent slowly throughout the year. Yeah. It hasn't been quite so slow. Uh, and I think you also have seen a lot of the lenders who obviously there's there's more tied into the the interest rates that you see as a consumer rather than just what the federal you know right. reserve does. Mm -hmm. But that has a huge tie tied into inflation, the market, everything else that's going on. And then fear, I think, comes to play a lot. So a lot of those yeah. lenders don't want to be caught uh, if the market continues to shift. So I think they definitely pad their margins and make sure that they're going to be able to, you know, pay their bills at night, which I don't think they're really running into any risk <laughs> of missing out on paying their bills. But it seems, it just seems very, uh, everybody seems very kind of reactionary this year. Uh, and I, I, I'm not horribly surprised by the reaction to the rates moving, but I think that it's going to kind of settle. The dust will settle a little bit in the next month, but it's, it's very, it's very expected, I think, that people would react the way that they have and kind of be a little bit nervous, especially in terms of what we've seen housing-wise in the last 10, 20 years. Right. We have a little PTSD, I think, as a nation with housing yeah. and, and seeing rates and things move and values climb quickly. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about that a little bit because in a span of six months, rates going from in the threes to now in the sixes, mm -hmm. right? How has your conversation been on the front lines with buyers, with potential home buyers looking to buy, you know, maybe their first home that they maybe couldn't afford six months ago, not enough savings. And then here they are six months later, 
where rates have essentially doubled. They were expecting things maybe to stay or, like you said, go up a little bit higher, but not essentially double their interest rate, right? So how have you kind of put clients at ease or how have your direct conversations been with these home buyers who are looking to buy a home with these heightened interest rates? It's it's very interesting. I like it. also specifically. I feel like you're asking about first time home buyers, right? So it's the conversation's a little different. Maybe if someone some people have bought one, two, three, four homes before because they've probably seen rates at different at different places, right? But if you're freshly into the market and you've been watching and paying attention or talking to all of your friends and family about the rates that they get, because everybody everybody loves that's like dinner conversation. I feel like they if like you got comparing. a long hey, what rate you get? What's your APR? What was your closing cost? What'd you like? Everyone wants to know that information. And so you have all these conversations going on outside of them where they're like, well, my uncle or cousin last year, they got this. And I'm like, it's not this, it's same market. So I think a lot of it is first and foremost, just contextualizing for them, kind of giving, giving them an idea as to where we've been in the past, yeah. what the reason was for the rates being as low as they were. Uh -huh. And it's really, I mean, they were trying to inject more business and transactions to the economy yeah. to stop things from stalling when COVID hit. I mean, they slashed, I mean, the interest rates were at zero in terms of the federal, the, the rate with the federal reserve was at zero for years. And so they wanted to, they wanted to, you know, help keep things moving, which is understandable. But when you also then look not just contextually historical uh, or historically at the rates, and you look at what else is happening in the market and what other things are changing, yeah. look at the price of rent. And I think that's the biggest analogous for them is that it, when someone is coming in to look at a mortgage and we talk about, hey, yeah, the payments have gone up X amount of dollars, two, $300 versus maybe six months ago or whatever the case might be, maybe even more, what have rents done in the last, in that same period of time? Have rents stayed stagnant or have rents gone up in a very similar, almost exact amount. Yeah, it, it, it all kind of follows one another. So it's, I, I think it's really the same conversation. Can you afford the payment? Does the house fit your, your needs and what you're looking for? Obviously the interest rate and the payment is a huge portion of whether or not a house is gonna work for you, but there's so many other factors. And especially I think you guys on the real estate side, being the realtors, neighborhood, school district, uh, commute to work, uh, enough bedrooms, bathrooms, features in the home, if they really have right. to have a swimming pool, I mean, fill in the blank as to what it might be, people still need a place to live. Yeah. So when the, the cost of living goes up and the cost of that property goes up, it is difficult and it adds another constraint, but what's the other option? The other option would be then to rent a property and the, the rents in California and Fresno, I think have gone up as much or possibly percentage-wise, maybe even more than mortgages in the yeah. last couple of years. I mean, you guys might know more about that. I think they're pretty similar. Isn't that correct? I heard uh, a statistic saying something like the national average rents are up 14%. Okay. And that's definitely higher than... And that's year over year? Yeah. Okay. That's definitely higher than, than home growth, home price growth. Now, as somebody who recently bought their house through David, I can say that our right. conversations... Hey. Congratulations. Two, two years in the making. Yeah. And what was interesting was like when you and I first sat down kind of towards the beginning of the year, my interest rate, I remember was like going to be in the fours and everybody else was in the threes. And I remember being like, oh man, this is so tough. And you and I talked about how every financial situation is so different. Mm -hmm. This is what the leads to our rate being slightly different than somebody else's. And then Cade, you heard this update as time was going on, like interest rates were bumping 
and we were still sitting down with you every couple of weeks like, hey, where are our interest rates when we were going to write offers mm-hmm. and how does that affect us? And it just it was something that you factored in. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at a house, when you're actually living in the house, you're not thinking, what was my interest rate? That doesn't really register. What you're thinking about is what does it cost for me to live here? And is that, is that going to fit my lifestyle? Is that going to fit um, what I need in order to get you know, a happy house, right? So for me, I had a certain list of criteria and it just, I saw the cost of what I wanted going up. And at the same time, I shifted my searching down in price point mm-hmm. because to me, I was, I had a certain price per month I could afford to pay. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, I ended up locking a much higher rate, but I'm still going to happy be happy with the home, right? I think what is important, you were talking about like, what are the first time home buyers thinking about? Like, if you're still needing to buy a house, you have a reason behind it. And like what you were mentioning with that rent, if you want to lock in a consistent payment, you have to buy a house because rents are going to keep going up every year. Yes. So if you're already at your peak, what's going to happen when your landlord says, you know, rent's going up? Yes. All of a sudden that you have a problem. Whereas in our situation where we just bought, we might have a higher payment than we'd like right now. But I know for sure it's not going up. And if interest rates dip, it'll go down, which would be nice, right? Well, and I think that's exactly a perfect segue into the next point that I've been making. The the It's really been – I've had so many of these conversations this year. I mean, especially just so many of them. And, and then the other thing that I tell everybody is go talk to people who own homes, especially if you're a first-time home buyer. Ask anybody who owns a home if they kept the same mortgage for 30 years. The, the, the answer of the number of people who either kept the same property for 30 years or kept the same first mortgage on that and never did a refinance, the percentage number must be below 10%. I mean, it's almost nobody. So what you're buying is a property and an asset that over the long term historically is appreciating, which is rare. There's not a lot of other things that most Americans buy that are appreciating assets right. at that level. And you're not buying the interest rate that you first get. That's that's just a tool that's being used for you to purchase the asset. Right. And historically, rates climb and fall. And if you catch it on the high side, you're going to be in a great position to refinance down yeah. the road when, when, when things shift. But that's the other... I had that conversation with a, a buddy of mine yesterday. We were trying to do one product. We had them locked in. It's going to have to switch to something else. And their monthly payment on an investment property is going to go up like 135 bucks a month. And I was like, hey, look, so this is a real conversation I had yesterday. I said, hey, look, first of all, you know, obviously talk, talk to your CPA, but interest on your loan is a, is a write-off. So yeah. it's not just money out of your pocket, like net, you know, money after taxes. It's it's gross. It's gross money that you get to write off on, on your taxes as a cost of the investment. And it's not likely that you're going to keep this exact same loan for 30 years. You'll probably refinance into something different or you'll sell this property and consolidate it into another. There's so many things you can do. And so it's not that it doesn't matter, but I mean, when I was talking to them yesterday, if you if you do the math and you take $135 times 12 bucks or 12 months, it's $1,600 a year. So maybe over five years, you're looking you're looking at eight, $8,000, which matters, but if you can get appreciation and growth and and all of the other benefits of having an investment property. The tax benefits. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. And so it definitely puts a dent into the, the profit and loss of that as a business, but especially when it switches into a personal home, it's not just that, it's 
it is exactly what you're saying. You're securing a place for yourself to live and your family, hopefully. And then you're not going to have to worry about your landlord changing the rules, trying to evict right. you, raising the rents. I mean, fill in the blank. There's there's a lot of security that you're that you're purchasing. Yeah. Well, in shifting it a little bit, I want to talk about a different group of people and get your opinion on this, right? Because I've heard people say now, you know, no, I'm not going to buy. I one, I'm waiting for the crash, or two, interest rates are too high. Mm-hmm. Six months ago, when interest rates were half of what they were. Hearing the same thing. No, I, I'm waiting to buy until the housing market crashes, yeah. right? And, you know, maybe specifically we talk about people who had the resources to buy six months ago, still have the resources to buy now. If they would have started the journey six months ago and were shopping at a 3% interest rate, you know, now we're six, continuing, I anticipate, to crawl up. Mm-hmm. And then still saying the same thing now. Still waiting. I, I'm waiting for the crash. Now, realist, now rates are too high, right? What's your opinion on that? Because you, in my opinion, and I'll share it and, and tell me if, if I'm wrong, is one, like, kind of like Scott was saying, if you have the resources, you can find the house you like with the payment you're comfortable with, why wait to buy the house, right? Especially in a market where we in where traditionally Fresno Clovis sees a good amount of appreciation over a period of time, right? Like we were saying, when interest rates go back down, hit a refinance. You know, again, like you mentioned, the number of people who use the same loan or the same house over the course of a 30-year mortgage is extremely low. Yeah, it's unbelievably low. I think it's – I was reading an article that perfectly ties into that. I think it, it really comes down to education and understanding and the fact that people – and this is across the board, myself included. I struggle with this. I think everybody does. Uh people are oftentimes fearful of what they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And it's more it's not comfortable to say that you're afraid. Uh, most people don't want to admit that. And honestly, a lot of people don't even know that they're afraid. They know that something in them is not letting them take that step forward and, and, and make that choice. And so they're looking for the stars to align and for it to be like a sign from heaven, like, Oh my gosh, you have to buy this this property because it's a crazy screaming deal. Right. I would uh, I would compare that to the same kind of clients when you're out shopping for a home and they want to lowball every offer. It's like they're looking for the deal to be so stupid good that they couldn't pass it up. And if that's I've had this conversation with dozens of clients over the years. I'm like, if you're looking for a deal that's just so good you couldn't pass it up, like we can't help you. Like I'm, I'm not going to spend my time waiting for you to just keep rolling the dice and lowballing every person to try to get the most unbelievable deal. Right. Either you believe in and understand the value of home ownership, or it seems like a scam and it needs to be the best deal ever. Like I think that really it's the education and the fear, and a lot of people don't know that they're that afraid or they won't admit it. Right. So I think it really comes down to the education part of it, where if you can see. Uh, if you understood what really happened the last time that we had a huge economic collapse, I understand exactly why they think that. If you look, if you were growing up like we did through the early 2000s and you saw home values go up so, 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 so fast, there'd be a, a, a bidding wars similar to what's going on right now. 
the appreciation of homes are going up so much and now interest rates are rising kind of like what happened the last time mm -hmm. but what they don't understand because maybe they've seen the big short and they were probably drunk while they were watching it or not paying attention and looking at their phone and they're like oh uh, they're bad and the rates are bad and the home value it's going to crash again this is going to happen it's nothing like what was happening last time. Right. The economic reasons for what is happening right now is very different. And the loan types are very different. The government made an incredible amount of changes, like, and talk to a lender. Like, if you wanna sit down and talk to us about the crazy different laws that we had to memorize to pass our test, it is, it's not as easy as it used to be to become a lender anymore. It's not as easy to get qualified for a loan anymore. And so I actually had a few facts, if you guys are down with me reading them. Yeah. I was reading this article yesterday in preparation, just thinking about uh, this podcast today. And they're talking about the, the mortgages in America. They were saying for the 53 and a half million first lien or, you know, cause they yeah. could have a home equity line of credit or a second loan, but for the, the, the first mortgage, which is the, the meat and potatoes of it, they said for the 53 and a half million first lien mortgages in America today, the average borrower FICO score is a record high of 751. It was 699 in 2010. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. I didn't know that. That's really, really different. It's unbelievably different. And then in top of, on top of that, if you look at the fact, like if you're looking at equity percentages and people being underwater, they're basically saying right now, currently, the total mortgage debt in the United States is less than 43% of the home values. So they would have to drop 57% on average across the nation for it to just be level. Yeah. Whereas back in 2011, one in four borrowers were underwater. So right now they're saying currently two and a half percent of borrowers have less than 10% equity in their home. Like that's crazy. So, so the, the correction we would have to see is so unbelievable. The products that are being used, ARM type loans, you adjustable rate mortgages, stated income loans, ninja loans. I mean, there are so many products and risky things that are oftentimes honestly more geared towards investors like you guys are where you're maybe not wanting to tie up a huge monthly payment paying off the principal. Maybe you have an interest only payment for a while. There were products and things that were being used by very unscrupulous and kind of shady loan officers before it was very difficult to get licensed. And there were so many loans going through, they were not keeping track. There was no patrolling of what was happening. Yeah. The guidelines and the qualifications, ask anybody who bought a home before and has bought a home now, they may as well be taking a blood sample from you now. It is very, it is very strenuous to get qualified for a loan. So, as somebody who just did it, let's have a conversation. Yeah. So, what was it like? Uh, I make a healthy amount of money, mm -hmm. and I really don't have a ton of debt. You can attest to this. Yeah. I have some debt tied up in residential properties mm -hmm. that are actively rented mm -hmm. that are managed professionally. Mm -hmm. That is the majority of my debt. I have a car payment. Outside of that, I'm completely clean. Yeah. My fiance is completely clean outside of a very, very small car payment mm -hmm. that we could pay off that we're using to build her credit. Mm -hmm. Even with that, two incomes, buying in a price point that we were pretty well qualified to yeah. be in. It was not outrageous. We weren't at the bottom of our price point, but we weren't at the top. Mm -mm. I had five rounds of conditions. If you don't know what a condition is, it's essentially the bank coming back to you and asking to explain more because they won't borrow to you without having the explanation. Yeah. The reason why this is important is because before I could have stated my income and I would have gotten a loan like that. 
if you're thinking that banks these days are over leveraged to bad borrowers, you just don't understand the system because yeah. if you got a loan at this point, I mean, you are overqualified for that house. Unbelievably overqualified. Now, you might be underqualified for what maybe some certain personal opinions might be. Like, I wouldn't probably borrow at the amount that they'll let you borrow at. But that's a lifestyle choice, well, not a financial qualification choice. Well, and I can say from my personal experience, because of that kind of trauma, collective trauma that we all saw. Like, I, I know a lot of people that saw our parents. Maybe my parents didn't own a home at the time, but we were renting a home in Fresno when the we had moved back to Fresno right uh, what it, was it in 2007? Uh-huh. And so then the home that we were renting on the southeast side of Fresno and Sunnyside loved this place, uh, had a nice pool. The owner lost the house. And so then we got cash for keys to move because we were renting the property. Like, hey, we need you to move out. The bank was like, hey, you guys got to get out. The you know owner of the home lost the house. So many families went through that. So many people our age experienced it or had a family member or friend that lost a home and were put through some really tough financial times. And so when I'm helping a, a lot of the first-time home buyers who are our generation primarily, but there's still some first-time home buyers older and younger than us, they are not trying to max out their approval numbers. When I tell them, okay, you're, let's say out of 10 borrowers, and I say, okay, 10 borrowers, you're qualified up to 400,000 on average maybe, the amount of them that are actually trying to max out their approval, less than half. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not trying to put themselves in a position where they barely can squeak through the qualifications of the lender. They're trying to pad it for themselves already, in case other expenses come up or their income goes down. They didn't want to put themselves in the same kind of situation that their parents did. Yeah, and so I I, I think there's just so many factors, both structural with the lending practices and the laws and guidelines that the lenders have, and just in terms of how the consumers are actually approaching home ownership, especially for the first time, it's the, the systems and circumstances that was a perfect storm of what happened in 2007, 2008. It was awful. The practices, the lending practices and the guidelines were terrible and they were being absolutely taken advantage of. And I can tell you from experience and you can as well, it's just not happening like that anymore. Well, and it's important to note too, right? To kind of recap, we obviously know the economy moves in cycles, mm-hmm. right? That it's been proven. It moves in cycles. The real estate sector, the economy in general moves like this, right? If we had a crystal ball, right? And could sit here and say what home prices are going to be in X amount of time or what my interest rate is going to be in X amount of time, right? We wouldn't all be sitting here talking on a podcast. We'd be filthy rich, right? Yes. So, to just to do a quick recap of what we were talking about, I think it's important to note that if you have the resources to buy the home, that you can get into the home you like for the payment that you want, regardless of the interest rates being a little over 6% right now, generally, right? I think we're all on the same page to where go and buy the home. Because like you were saying, 2017 seems so long ago, you know, five, <laughs> five six years now. Right. But interest rates were similar in 2017. I think COVID was such a special event and the craziness that hit the house market that everyone's just kind of stuck in in real estate COVID times. Right. And it's hard to pull people out and say, look, right before COVID, interest rates were similar to what they are now. COVID was a very, very 
hyper-specific, special mm -hmm. thing where all these circumstances kind of hit together and this is what happened that nobody expected, Yeah. right? So it's hard to pull people out of those expect expectations, excuse me. But like you said, I think the biggest part is education. Well, I was going to say too, we all got used to being on the 30% discount. Well, and that's okay. So it, you're, you're exactly saying what my next point was, was going to be is that I was saying this a couple years ago when people for the last, whatever amount of time, I remember telling people like, Hey, Fresno seems undervalued. Like, look at where we're at. Look at where we're headed. We're not yet to the peak of where we were in 0708. There's a lot of jobs here. Like there's people that are moving and then COVID happened and even more of an influx. I had a lot of clients from LA and San Francisco, the Bay coming to, to, to Fresno to buy a home because it was a lot more affordable. And so it's also just what is happening on a, on a national level doesn't necessarily apply the exact same way 100%. It does infect it, but it's not 100% the same, excuse me, as what might be happening in your local market. And I think that's where getting connected with people in your local market and not just paying attention to the news or what's online. I mean, and I talk with you guys about this as well. If I lift my head up from what's in front of me and I pay attention to all the news, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. But I still have clients every day that are buying, that are refinancing, that are wanting to get right. their first home, their second home, a replacement, an investment. So I think there's still a lot of value to be had. And it's tough, I think, mentally and emotionally for a lot of people in America. They looked at, there was like a fire sale in 08, 09, 010. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm just waiting for houses to go on sale again. And I'm like, houses don't go on sale. They're not like a TV that you get on Black Friday. A home is so different than that. And I think, especially for people who have never bought a home, it's a concept that's hard to conceptualize because you think, okay, well, I'm going to wait for the Memorial Day, Memorial Day sale for furniture. I'm going to wait for the 4th of July sale for this. I'm going to wait for Black Friday for that, Cyber Monday for this. Like there are sales for so many segments. Homes don't have sales. When they're on sale, the economy is on fire, like on fire. And it was specifically tied, especially in 08, to terrible lending practices because if you look historically at recessions in, in, in the american history not every recession is equally tied to the housing market oftentimes the housing market actually outperforms the recession more often than not right what we saw this most recent time i think it's recency bias what we saw the most recent time was a discount on homes like we've never seen ever in in, in our history and then what happened during covid we hadn't had something like that, what, in 100 years since the Spanish flu? And then they lowered the interest rates lower than they've ever been. So recency bias for people who haven't bought a home, it seems like that's the case. And I think yeah. it really is education and history that can, that can kind of shine a little bit more light and clarity on what is actually going on and what you can expect. Well, and if you're anything like me, you've had to turn off the news recently because it's all doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. It's all terrible. And if you're also like me, life's pretty freaking amazing. Like, our life in Fresno has not been uprooted. Yes, things have gotten more expensive, but our market is still performing normally. And I think what would be important for us to kind of talk about a little bit is how if you're a buyer and your interest rate just went up, the inverse effect is some people no longer can afford in that price point, and you're getting a lot more cooperation from sellers. If you've been trying to buy a house for the last few years, you know what it's like trying to make those offers and you give up everything in your mother just to try to get your offer accepted. Yeah. That's just not the case anymore. It's it's not. And the, the thing that I was actually thinking is I there used to be much more uh, 
there used to be a lot more possibility of there being some flexibility with negotiations with the sellers. Right. It has been, I mean, if this is the sliding scale of uh, a buyer market and a seller's market, it's been like over here, right? I right. mean, it's been brutal. It's been brutal. I, I, I purchased a home uh, just a couple months ago as well. And I mean, it was brutal. I'm hap happy with how things have turned out, but it, it was difficult to get my offer accepted. And if we can get into a market again, which it seems like we might get get into a place where there's less buyers or yeah, less buyers, there might be a little bit more listings, maybe some price reductions. The other possibility is, is if the home value isn't dropping and the home is actually worth something and the seller's willing to maybe sell it for a little less, there is such a thing as a seller credit. And depending on the circumstances, you could get three to sometimes even 6% of a seller credit, depending on your down payment uh -huh. and loan type talk to a licensed loan professional, but you you could use that as covering your cash to close, you know, money out of pocket, uh -huh. or you could buy your rate down almost a full percentage point. So I mean, that right there could lower your payment significantly. So there's just lots of tools out there that can be used to affect what your monthly payment looks like, what your interest rate is, the money out of pocket, and it's not just cut and dry. It is yeah. not it is not overly difficult, but there are more tools out there than I think a lot of people are aware of. Well, let's talk a little bit about my loan because I was able to do some of this stuff. Now, the reason why was because I was off market. I had found the seller direct, but I also bought, I think, kind of towards the peak of this market. Mm -hmm. And as we ease back into a more balanced market, this is going to be doable totally within a normal purchase. What ended up happening for us was... The seller was gracious enough. He kind of knew that he was selling a little bit of a discount. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why he wasn't paying any commissions or any fees like that. Which is traditionally maybe, what, 5%? Usually, it's 5%. In a normal market, it's closer to 6 Yes. So he knew that he was giving us a little discount, and that was super cool of him. Mm -hmm. But what ended up happening, Cade, you already have seen this too, but we, our appraisal came in higher, mm -hmm. and the seller cooperated with us to increase the purchase price meaning that we're giving 20,000 more uh, in payment or we are borrowing 20,000 more from the bank. Mm -hmm. And in return, the seller's able to help give us a credit to help buy down our interest rate. So we dropped our rate from we were locked around five, six with his help. And with your help, David, we were able to get down a little bit closer to five, mm -hmm. which lowered our payment overall. Yeah. Even though increased uh, borrowed amount, our payment was still cheaper. Exactly. And I had way less money to bring to close. It's such a win. I mean, such a win-win. Obviously, you're financing that difference, but your monthly payment literally went down, and you had what another I don't know, twelve to fourteen that you didn't have to bring. Yeah. So I ended up for closing costs. I brought three thousand dollars. Yeah. Which is almost unheard of. My initial expectation was to bring about fifteen. Yeah. So if you're sitting at home and you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, my payments are going to be so high." Well, just think about it in the benefit that you don't keep your loan forever. Mm -hmm. For me to pay back that difference, it's going to take me like 12 years. I did the math. I'm going to refinance or sell in the next 12 years. Yes. I know that that's just how my life plan looks. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting there and you're like, well, my interest rate's going to be high, think of it as a blessing because right now sellers have equity that they can help give. Mm -hmm. And if you buy it and you have no money into this house or as, as little as you can, and you help do a rate buy down because you can buy down your interest rate. If you didn't know that, that's something to be aware of. And the seller can help buy it down. That's the beautiful thing of that seller credit. It can be used for a lot of things. Right. All of a sudden, 
you have a much more lucrative buying position mm -hmm. than if you were at 2%, but you're competing with 40 other borrowers who are all making crazy offers yes. and paying 50,000 out of pocket. Yeah, I think, and that's what I'm excited for is that I, I think I've had so many buyers that have just gotten kind of discouraged because of how competitive it is and it's and it's hard, but the, the, the market, at least as it seems, and I, I don't want to speak too soon because I like to see it before I believe it. I like to not just totally try to predict where the market's going, especially in the last couple of years. I have not been able to predict it. I don't think really anybody has. And so uh, I, I need to see more of those things happening, but I have already seen, for example, with you and with some other clients, them able to negotiate some seller credits, help with repairs. You know, maybe there's an issue with the roof or you want to, you know, lower your interest rate. And that's where I, I think for a lot of people that I would encourage them, especially if they have not bought a home, it, it seems scary or you feel like if you meet with a realtor or a lender that they're going to pressure you. And if you're not ready to buy right then and there, then it, you're going to waste their time. I hear that a lot of people who are like, I don't want to waste your time or I'm not ready right now. That's the whole point of meeting with us and getting a game plan so that you can kind of anticipate what's going to happen. And if you find the right person, you're, you're not gonna, we're not gonna charge you for our time. We're not gonna charge you to ask us questions. I'm not a lawyer or an attorney where you call me for 30 minutes and I send you an invoice. It doesn't work like that. And so I think I would encourage more people to just try to seek a little more information from a real person who does that as their job and not Twitter or YouTube or the internet that is trying to, th it thrives upon fear and excitement and worry as getting more clicks and more more interest and views on videos and stuff and talk to somebody if you're especially if you're nervous especially if you don't think you can do it talk to somebody and and, and figure out exactly what it looks like because we're not gonna we don't shame people i don't judge people or laugh at their credit scores or their circumstances or how much or how little they have saved i've seen it all and and I think it, it really is so much less scary and less intimidating when you have that kind of conversation and a, and, a, and a real kind of consultation with a professional in your area. Right. Absolutely. So right now we're mid-June 2022. Obviously, like we've repeated time and time again, no crystal ball, right? We end can't of June, clarify. Yeah. Nearing the, the end of June. Because the rates have already yes. jumped once. End of, nearing the end of June. Mm -hmm. So no crystal ball. But like you mentioned, there, there are things and signs that we can use to anticipate what might be coming. I mean, it's no secret. The Fed has already announced multiple more increases, mm -hmm. right? What are you thinking that we'll be seeing in these, in these last two quarters, this last half of 2022, both on the lending side and maybe, you know, more relative to home buyers, their interest rate, what their home search might look like? Yeah, and I, I guess I'll speak specifically on the Fresno Clovis-ish area, Central Valley market. I don't, I, I don't pretend to be as plugged in in like the Bay Area or of LA course. or any other states. But in terms of this area, um, I think absolutely you can expect rates to go up. I would, I would anticipate them through the end of the year to go up, maybe at the most another half a percent. I mean, they could go more. I think right now there is already some padding in terms of some of the rates. I've seen yeah. some notifications yesterday and today. A lot of the lenders have actually lowered their rates a little bit. And I mean, I'm not saying a lot, maybe an eighth of a percent, give or take, maybe a little more. So I think they're just, everyone is trying to, everyone is asking that same question. The lenders are asking that question. The Fed's like, hey, how much should we adjust? Like, everyone is trying to figure that out and see how inflation goes, how the rest of the economy is progressing. 
But I think a safe estimate would be that the rates will probably go up somewhere around a quarter to a half a percent from here through the end of the year. Can you clarify kind of generically where the average borrower might end up? Yeah, I mean, so I would say right now for a lot of clients, if you are a conventional borrower, you're probably in the low to mid sixes, most likely. Okay. Uh, and for an FHA borrower, you're probably in the mid high fives or so, somewhere in that range. Very similar probably for an F, uh, for a VA borrower as well. Um, it, and it, But it, it oftentimes can depend by week to week, honestly, as to where it's going to be. I would see those trending slightly upwards. So you might see the government loans, FHA and VA, heading into the you know low sixes, and uh, conventional and r regular rates going to the high sixes, maybe even to seven. Um, I don't know how long that will last. Um, I, I do think that we will see a switch in terms of the home values, you know, continuing to rise at the same rate. And I think we're already seeing some of that. So I think it's kind of the they're they're trying to mess with the system to see how everything reacts to it. And we're going to continue to see the markets react, and they'll probably adjust then accordingly. Yeah. Can you talk about how uh, historically the real estate market follows, the lending market follows the Fed by a delay? This time around, it seems like maybe they they jumped it a little early to get ahead of it. Well, and I think it's it, it's there's a lot of factors, obviously, that affect the mortgage interest rates besides just the federal rate. A lot of it also comes in to like the the bond buying, right? And and who's who's buying what? Is the government buying these you know buying these huge you know portions? Are they going to be funding and purchasing uh, those mortgages on the secondary market? And I think there's been some easing there as well. And so it'll just be it'll be curious to see. It's it's definitely a little bit. I feel like of them getting out in front of it. I feel like we see the rates just creep up on almost to the time that the Fed's gonna meet. And then sometimes the rates actually, I've been seeing them like after the Fed meets, the rate might drop an eighth of a percent because they are overestimating and not sure, or maybe they think it's gonna go up more than it did. I think this most recent time they weren't sure exactly, no one's ever 100% sure what's what the call's gonna be, but it went up what? 0.75. Yeah, 0.75, so three, three quarters of a percent. And so, It'll just be curious to see. I think they are being a little anticipatory. I think they are trying to kind of guess a little bit because mm -hmm. they don't they don't want to be caught losing out on on the loans because it takes them on the secondary market a while to offload those or sell the servicing rights. There's a whole different side to the industry than than the consumers see, and I didn't even see for the first few years being in the industry. But right. there's a whole secondary market of those lenders that are you know allowing you to buy the home and they're helping you you know fund it fund that loan they don't always keep that right to send you your mortgage payment every month oftentimes they're selling it on the secondary market and so they're trying to make sure that they don't lose out on those transactions by having too low of an interest rate locked mm -hmm. in for their borrowers so i get what they're doing um, but the banks are making their money all the way along they're continuing to be profitable um, definitely. Yeah. And so I, I, I think that they're going to continue to try to anticipate that through the end of the year. Hmm. Fair enough. I, Go ahead. You sure? Yeah. Positive. <laughs> Sometimes That's a sweet moment. Well, we, we never like communicate who's going to ask any questions. It's just, it kind of goes from there. Yeah. Um, I was going to bring up too. So the other thing that a lot of people are forgetting about is that there was a group of people who wouldn't sell their home because they couldn't buy a home. And mm -hmm. I think that's going to affect our market coming up. When when you're talking to somebody who has to sell a home and then also needs to go buy it, are you are you dealing with that more often? Have you seen that come up yet? Or 
Has it just been too soon to really tell who you're dealing with? Well, uh, so I might ask you to ask that question a little more specifically. I for sure have been working with clients who have been needing to find replacement properties. They already own a home. They need to sell it and buy yeah. another one. But is there a specific like, yeah. subgroup of that? So that the people that we've been dealing with the last few years have been people who don't or who already have their next place usually lined up. It's pretty rare that we were listing houses for people who had to go find a home because yeah. they were concerned about if they're going to get their offer accepted, this, that, and the other. When you're talking to borrowers now or people going out for new loan applications, have you heard anything from those borrowers saying like, yeah, we've been waiting until you know, we could actually get our offers accepted. We've been wanting to upgrade for a while now. Mm. I haven't had that. a lot of those conversations uh, recently. I'm um, just curious if that's going to come into play because if you've been sitting on the sideline for a long time because you couldn't get your offer accepted, this is finally becoming a time where you're competing against one or two other borrowers maybe. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to get your offer accepted. Yeah, I, I feel like there's going to be definitely more of that. I mean, obviously, it's expectations are having to shift, right? Because people were hopping on those mortgage calculators through COVID, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I can afford a half-million-dollar house. Easy. Like, that's so easy. Okay, cool. And then, wait, but I can't get my offer accepted, and I can't get my offer accepted, and I can't get my offer accepted. Oh, wait, now I can't afford that. So I think there's going to have to be a little bit of adjustment of expectations for some of those people who are looking for that replacement home. But a lot of my clients, they haven't said exactly – those things, but I would, the circumstance that they've had is, you know, maybe it was a young married couple and they didn't have any kids. And then the client that I just helped actually with a friend of ours, Casey, uh -huh. um, we helped them purchase over in Clovis a few years ago. I think it was about four years ago and they refinanced when the rates got really low. And then they ended up getting into a circumstance where they were able to adopt, uh, uh, foster slash adopt a couple of kids. And then she got pregnant. And so they went from a family of two to a family of five within like 12 months. Well, they have completely different needs, not wants. They have completely different needs for their home. And so I think we're gonna definitely see people who have those needs, that that's gonna overwhelm any kind of fear of a higher interest rate or a payment. If you really need more bedrooms because you have more people, or you need a yard for your dog or a pool for your kids in the summer or whatever it might be, I think we're gonna see a lot of people that are able to finally make those moves because like you're saying, it was scary. I, I did hear a lot of people sitting on the sidelines or waiting because they didn't think they'd be able to get that next house. Or their thought was, if housing is so hard and rentals are so hard, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go like find an Airbnb or a hotel? Or do I go move in with my in-laws for like Lord knows how long, three months, six months, a month? Like you don't know those, those answers. And so I think there was a lot of fear of people not listing their home because they looked at the market and they heard everybody trying to buy. And while it would be great to get top dollar for your home and people to be bidding on your house, you don't get to have your cake necessarily and eat it too, right? You don't then get to go and be like, oh, there's nobody competing on this house. I'm gonna be the only offer. They're gonna cut the sales price and give me a seller credit. And it's not gonna work like that. So if you're getting top dollar over here, you're gonna have to go pay top dollar over there. Mm -hmm. Whereas right now, if it kind of levels off and we don't see a large correction or, you know, even if we do see a somewhat of a correction, five, 10%, a lot of these people have a good amount of equity in their homes, like we talked about. So even if there is somewhat of a correction, it'll be so much more uh, of, a, of a confident move to be able to go then put offers on other houses rather than fearful based and not sure if you're going to even be able to have a chance of getting your next house. And I think that people's reactions